This week on First Issue Club, three new comics, American Carnage out on Vertigo, Smooth Criminals on Boombox, and Middle West on Image. Let's get into it. Yeah, yeah. We push comics like weight. We push comics like weight. <laughs> Is that another Drake? <laughs> no, I think that's like Big Pun, right? Or something like that. Oh, I have no idea. I thought last week it was Drake, so... Yeah, it's been Drake for a while, I think. This is First Issue Club. We are a podcast that covers First Issues weekly. We're a reading club. We invite you to read these comic books with us. You know what? We're always covering number ones because we always want you to jump in with us. If you're a huge comic book collector as well, we're covering the most talked about hottest comic books weekly. So we got a comic book for uh, everybody. So get your dumb ass in here and listen. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Thank you for being a dumbass. Everyone, <laughs> shut up. You haven't been introduced yet. I want to meet everybody. Can you tell me? I want to. There's a couple books where we've got thieves and criminals and no good doers. I want to know everyone in the club's criminal history. So tell me your name and what you done did illegal. I can only answer this question. I think we all can only answer this question if every listener uh, pledges to delete this podcast after they listen to it. <laughs> Or just pinky swear. Pinky swear that you won't tell anyone. Yeah. Say it to yourself right now. Say it. Done. I assume they said it. Legally binding. Yes. This is Budget King. Uh, I've been handcuffed once, and I've stolen twice and got away with it. Items. I stole a bunch of D batteries from Walmart oh. as an adult three years ago because the lines were annoying me. Um, what? They just were That's much more recent than I thought that was. <laughs> yeah, I'm be. surprised. <laughs> How long was the line? The, it was. I came, went in the Walmart at like 1 a.m. It was in. Oh, I was, it was like one lane open. Yeah. Yep. And I was wa- working at the time in a college town, and there was just a ton of like drunk college kids doing whatever the fuck they would do on a Wednesday at 1 a.m. And I was like, <laughs> live their best lives, <laughs> right? Which I love. In a Walmart. I love college kids, by the way. Including the ones listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, but I was like, nope. So I just took my batteries. Did you take them out of the package? No. I just walked what? out the doors. And we've called him the budget king ever since. <laughs> <laughs> now you know, you know how to save steel. Won't even pay for batteries. <laughs> all, I, all I thought was, I know they can't the pursue. The budget is balanced. I know they can't pursue me. As soon as you leave the store, that's correct, but they also... <laughs> that's what never got me, because I used to work retail, mm-hmm. and then like someone would walk out the door, and you'd say, and the alarm would go off, and you'd say, excuse me, come back here, and they'd be like, oh, weird, what is that? Why aren't you running down the block? Yeah. Just well, keep going. We never, we almost could never, ever do anything about it, because we were told that you had to be able to say exactly where it was on their person, uh-huh. if you couldn't see it or like yeah. in their bag and I never knew right I wasn't going to be like yep I've been following this person around and uh-huh. I know that they've put it in their left breast pocket mm. oh god when I worked at Kmart when I was 16 it was around Christmas time which is primo stealing time for people that want to steal <laughs> this couple was walking around Kmart just loading their basket up with electronics just really expensive stuff and so management was just like okay we kind of need to keep an eye on them they ran at the front door using the cart as like a battering ram, and <laughs> they unfortunately chose the door that was locked. Oh. And they hit this locked door. Their cart exploded with all of the items just scattering everywhere, and they just fucking 
left Bolted. out of the, the yeah. open door, and yeah. uh, we had to clean up all of their stuff. <laughs> well, still batteries. Was left. that you at Kmart? <laughs> no, it wasn't. Oh, my other item was a, uh, remember pizza used to have those basketballs? They'd give out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. With, like, graphics on them. Yeah. Yep. I s- saw my friends in the, like, street, and I took it for myself. Well, oh, stealing from friends. Mm. We had plenty of basketballs. I don't know why the fuck I needed a Pizza Hut basketball. They look cool. Yeah. Parent justice. <laughs> parent justice. In, yeah, parent injustice. If I was... <laughs> you tell me if Nona stole something and you found out about it, you wouldn't make her go fess up? I would I would say, was this a free item that she stole? <laughs> Because it has no significance that you took it from a friend. <laughs> so now you're just teaching her to steal free stuff, which isn't really stealing if it's free. I would say, you know. It's um, still stealing if you take it from another person. It has no monetary it's not value. It. it only has emotional value. Well, what uh, what's the price you put on love? That's a good point. No, I would, I, I would definitely make her go return it. That's a good point. I didn't learn anything from the lesson, but my daughter will. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, these D batteries later on. Yeah. This is. Uh, Sorry, this is Greg Lichtai, and my rap sheet includes getting arrested, being asked to leave a pool while I was naked, sp- uh, speeding. So, kind of boring stuff. <laughs> oh, I got arrested for an uh, unpaid speeding ticket. See? Yeah, that is boring. You were naked when they asked you to leave? Yes. And your wi- your willy was out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we broke into, like, a uh, neighborhood pool. And then did you leave Oh with, yeah, with oh. your willy out? Well, uh, ooh. Were you I think to- I got out of the pool and wrapped like a towel around me or put my bathing t- trunks back on, but the cop definitely saw my uh, w- unit. My, yeah. Your D battery. My, my, yeah. <laughs> my stolen D battery. <laughs> Fine, but I'm leaving naked. Yeah. <laughs> kind of upturned my nose. Yes. <laughs> I may not supposed to be in here, but I am a nudist. Enjoy the view, Officer Killbuzz. <laughs> Killbuzz. Buzzkill, sorry. I like Killbuzz. Yeah, better. it's good. Eric yeah. Killbuzz. Sounds more like a real name. <laughs> yeah. Eric. My name's Eric Killbuzz. Keep it down. <laughs> my name is Caitlin, and I don't have anything on my record. I did trespass... Uh, in Westport, and I, like, climbed the stairs of this, like, church because I was trying to get up to a bell tower, and I was very inebriated. And I just heard someone say, like, you need to get off of those stairs or something, and they said it very menacingly, and I got so scared that I just kind of, like, backed off and ran. But I got kind of far up the ladder. Mike D's is so antsy to tell us all the times he's committed crimes. I'm such a goody two-shoes. I say I'm your favorite thin-lipped bad boy. It's not not true at all. The worst thing I think that I've done is sometimes I take cool glasses from restaurants when I'm buzzed. Oh, I've been there for that. This is... Have you? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I'll, I'll slip a glass in my pocket if I think it's cool. Yeah. Yep. Again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Man, seriously, Man. for all their bodies.
this podcast started. You are Irish and you're talking the Jonah Hill. Ah, Jonah Hill, let's get this podcast started. <laughs> uh, you uh, just came away from the eye doctor and your pupils are dilated. Oh, ah, this sounds so right. Let's just get this podcast started. Spring scene at the end of a three-hour show. Oh. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about my bladder. No, wait. Your your Mike D's bladder. <laughs> Let's get this podcast started. <laughs> oh, you're Harry Toad? Potter and you're underwater. <laughs> I'm Harry Potter and I'm underwater. <laughs> oh, I like that it rhymes. <laughs> I got the subtle hint of English accent. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. This is very subtle. First up today, we have Middle West out on Image. Words and art by Young and Corona. This book is set in a region that we're really familiar with, but it's in a world that I don't fully understand. Poor little Abel is stuck in an abusive home where his father represents a really violent entity in the wind, eventually becoming the wind after an altercation with Abel. And then Abel is sent off on what looks to be a big journey. Do you guys think that this is very true to the Midwest? We're all... This isn't necessarily a local podcast, but we all find ourselves from and living in the Midwest area. Well, I think a common misconception about the Midwest is that every dad turns into a tornado <laughs> when um, they get upset with their kid. And yeah. Tornado dads. Yeah, it I should think it's be just, a reality series. Yeah, I think it's just time to like kind of just clear the air. No you dads know, are turning. No dads are turning into tornadoes. <laughs> I think if this is town USA off the side of Interstate Highway in like Kansas. Probably, yes. If this is like Omaha, Des Moines, or St. Louis, no, not even close. They would think this book was written in like the 1950s. Yeah, this isn't my Midwest, but it's certainly the Midwest in my head. When when someone says they're pic- picturing the heartland, this sort of environment, small town, walk into shops, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, we've all driven through this town. And so the... Scotty Young is from somewhere around in Kansas City. Yeah, he says that in the back about how he he's like the expert of the Midwest. He knows the ins and outs and the secrets of all the back city goings and the on. Charms. Yeah, and the charms of it all. Yeah, I don't doubt that. So I think that Image was really hyping this book. Indicators would be they kind of cleared the runway for releases. Do you A think it lived up to the buzz and B do you think why do you think it was so being hyped, I guess? I don't necessarily think that it it lived up to the hype of a number one, but could still live up to that hype as a series. Reading the notes and looking at the next pages, I really didn't get that many hints or context clues that this was a magical world, that this was building up to something larger than life. just seemed like a really sad short story about this kid getting dumped on and having to run away from his dad. I mean, there is a talking fox, but That really didn't give me the context that I was needing to be like, oh, this is the start of this huge kid-on-a-quest adventure. I think the promise that it's going to go there is intriguing. Like, this had a very Lord of the Rings-y sort of, like, you're a humble kid who doesn't know much about, like, the whole world outside of him. He's a hobbit. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, I'm thinking he's he's very Bilbo-esque. And Mm -hmm. then it also reminded me of George Clooney movie... Directed by the Coen brothers, where they're out in the country. Oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, brother, where art thou? Is that kind of like Odyssey type film, just like in the country, very Mm -hmm. folky, right? Mm -hmm. And 
uh, the idea of something like that, like this kid's going to go on this adventure and meet all these super folky beings and entities that are reminiscent of something that's hyper Midwestern, like his dad's rage being like a personified tornado. Very interesting to me and something that's very uniquely Midwest. So the one thing that I kind of love about Scotty Young books, they're a nice break. They don't try to be too heady. I hate Fairyland, Bully Wars, when he did Rocket Raccoon. You're not going to get a Grant Morrison book from him. I like that. To Caitlin's point, though, I'm not sure what the promise is here. To me, I honestly didn't even think that there was a magical entity. Have you guys ever read I Kill Giants? Yeah. Spoiler alert, the uh, main character is just battling a terminal disease, and that's the giant that they're killing the entire time. I thought that like this kid was just going to battle domestic abuse. And then I read the author's notes, and I was like, oh, that was that was actual magic. He was an actual wizard, and he's set off on a quest now. That's really fucking cool. Not sure that I totally got that, though. Yep. I almost wonder if the fox is even real. Because, I like, think the fox I think the fox is real. I also think the fox is real, and there's probably other talking animals. Yeah. Um, and that's, well, like, a normal thing in this world. That's what I was w- wondering about, because we don't see any indication of that in this world at all, except for that one fox. You would think that they would be at least teased or seen walking next to other people. But that could be me looking into it way more than it needs to be. Yeah, chill out. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Every episode he does this. Uh, I know. <laughs> is this is this a Middle Earth reference, Middle West? Yeah, totally. Huh. Well, you did say it was kind of like, like well, Tolkien. And he, yeah. and he even says in the end, yeah. like a Gandalf character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but the, that's yeah, true. The kid's definitely a Bilbo-esque character. I thought the dad character was overly harsh. There's always that the stereotype of like the single dad who's a little rougher on his son, like especially like on a farming community. Like they, he wants to like toughen his son up. This guy was like just a straight up jackass. Yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with ne- necessarily harsh. I think he's just a monster, and then he gets then he becomes a literal monster, a bigger monster. Yeah, yeah. Does, I don't wait, think... does he become it, or is it does well, he get taken away? I think it, he gets taken away, but I mean, I don't know that we get an answer to that, like a, a secure answer. You can tell this isn't just a progression where he goes from being mad about his paper route and then saying your mom left because of you. There are like subtle hints and clues. The gas station guy or his friends asking him like, are you going to get in trouble? And he's like, you know I am. He's just, he's always like that. Yeah. Seemed like too, too harsh. He seemed like your typical drunk, irrational. Bitter. Yeah, sort of father figure. He Um, did have no redeeming value. Right. Which is not often... How you want a villain painted. I guess it's an easy tool to set him on his quest. Interesting to see if his dad comes back. He did seem frightened for his dad once he's on the train. Right. Which is also kind of a natural response that kids have in that situation. Uh But So he raged he raged out and became a wind monster. Yeah, I think he like hulks out. Oh, he, he 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 can he go back to human form? I think form? he goes back to human form. Okay. I think every time he gets like incredible rage, he like loses himself in the rage and that's what the tornado is, represents. This is my pick of the week. Um yeah, I agree. Mm. I think it's fine too. <laughs> I'll tentatively hold off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. This week's episode is brought to you by Dog Friended Me. <laughs> hey, Mike. Hey, man. Um, you remember that show Dog the Bounty Hunter? 
Yes. He sent me a friend request on Facebook. Have you committed any crimes recently? I, th I heard that his method... Open up the door, brother. It's me, Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, no. I'm here for all the cups you stole. No. <laughs> I, I've watched this show, and his methods are uncouth. We need to run. I'm going to kick open this door with my wife, Beth. <laughs> it's me, Beth. I'm here, too. Hey, Beth. Hey, could you do me a favor and tuck Dog down for me? Sorry, once he gets his mind attached to something, he really can't uh, think about anything else. Oh, this one always works. Hey guys, whatever your bounty is, we'll pay you more. Yeah, I can I can wrangle up some cash. I can, my bounty can't be too much for stealing cups. Uh, let me talk to Dog. Dog, is that okay? Yeah, that works for me, brother. Well, Whoa, yeah. This is a turning of a page for them. I knew that we could rationalize our destiny through simply talking to them. Next up, we have American Carnage out on Vertigo, words and art by Hill and Fernandez. One agent is lynched in this book. Another is chasing the trail for revenge and justice. Finally, an ex-cop goes undercover into the world of extremism, perhaps white supremacy, and a powerful family that's going to tie it all together. This book was really political. It was really heavy. It was not subtle. No. The second page is a lynching. With the N-word on, hanging from his uh, neck. You know, a white cop, we should mention. Mm -hmm. And the ex-cop who's going undercover, it's also made pretty clear that he is biracial. But passes yeah. as white, yeah. right. Up until the last pages of the book, where we find out that something might actually be amiss, I was super, super intrigued by this book. The end of it kind of made it everything I expected. A little tropey. Totally agree. Yeah. The way that they wrote the panels of the uh, white supremacy group made them seem really intricate and interesting. Well, yeah, because it's drawing from a lot of parallels from what's happening in our own political system right now. I mean, feeding to that demographic to their fears to get yourself elected, which is even scarier than having terrible politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes you wonder what the end game in is. Well, uh, well, I think one of the interesting things about this was that this guy wasn't a politician. He was like a philanthropist who's oh, written right. a handful of books. Th they say on the thing, like, it's got the American flag on the cover. He's probably capitalizing on MAGA people mm -hmm. and uh, just trying to s make a quick buck off of, like, morons, they say, as opposed to, like, actually believe in the shit that he's saying. And I think it makes his endgame potentially more sinister that it's not about votes or holding office mm -hmm. or power in that sense that it might just be like simply about terror and indoctrination and right that it seems more like a cult than our your typical motivations for mm -hmm. gaining office every week we're talking about how whoa this book actually deals with white nationalists and makes them the enemy yeah. captain america days of hate do you think, like, this is doing something different than the rest of those and is offering something, like, a new point of view to the point of view of, like, white nationalists are the enemy and they suck? In a lot of the other books, there's not always a supernatural, but there are sometimes, and there's this sense of people not going about things in regular ways or doing sinister things or fighting kind of vigilante justice type of things. And this is all very by the book, people just working within the system. Obviously, when he gets to the party and they're going to, like, 
haze him or initiate him or try to like suss him out. I would imagine that kind of stuff really does happen. And then you have the FBI agent who's probably a little hellbent because her friend got lynched, but she's still working within the system. But they're working as you really would just to try to go undercover, try to gather evidence. They're not trying to do some sort of. Yeah, this is a crime story like any other thriller you would want to read but it deals with race and it like hypes up violence but it never steps out of reality which in and of itself is pretty refreshing i guess does it seem like the ku klux klan and like neo-nazis are just like the fucking cockroach you can't kill it's so crazy that you're asking that like that in general because it's like think about like nazis were just the enemy forever i think they were kind of the original enemy even in marvel they're hydra Mm -hmm. more or less Mm -hmm. right and now I think that white nationalists are back. People are like, oh, yeah, the, the ultimate bad guy is actual a thing. Our president secretly supports the ultimate bad guy. Hell, yeah, I'm going to put it back in comics because it's just this absolute, like, thing that everybody agrees is bad. It, it, it's written itself already into my comic book. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things that I think is really interesting that I got into a conversation about with our editor, Matt, um, over text when Bill Maher was talking about um, Stan Lee and how if it weren't for Marvel Comics, then maybe Trump would have, wouldn't have been elected. I think there's an interesting thing when you think about comic books and superheroes and like the type of people who like them, but it also seems like potentially more conservative type people, maybe. That enjoy comics? Would you... What can you make any blanket statements about the type of people who read comics? Because I'll say that the typical people who make comic books are obviously hyper liberal for the most part. I don't. I don't know. I I don't know if there's a if there's a blanket statement for what political alliance most comic book readers are. Yeah, I'm sure they would like to think of themselves as like centrists, maybe. Uh-huh. Which I have my own hangups about people calling themselves centrists, but it's just like with this medium, we can kind of uh, see both sides of sto- uh, stories and situations because we've read the same situation over and over again and kind yeah. of seen different scenarios played out. So I think that there are there's lots of different comic book readers, uh-huh. but there might be a small dichotomy that we could kind of like analyze here. Yeah. I think there are comic book readers who are reading for, like, escapism, for the literary fact, to, like, read a book, get into characters. I think those people want diversity, want to push diversity forward, and are excited by, like, all that kind of stuff. I think there are also people who, like, being a nerd and being into, like, Marvel or DC defines them. Who they are in their pastime and, like, defines their childhood to them is is a thing that they, like, wear as like a badge of who they are and it might be even a thing that they pride themselves of being the best in the best of their friend group of knowing the best of something like that i think a person that tends to do that tends to be a little bit of a selfish egotistical person which might be attracted to some of the rhetoric of the gop currently or trump or or things like that and they're probably the most vocal Mm -hmm. of anybody that's part of the group I also think, certainly not in books like this, those things can get lost in translation as far as means of what stories are trying to be told and like the application to their real world counterparts and themes. Superheroes standing for like equality and justice and righting wrongs and fighting supervillains who are, you know, about domination or about trying to wipe out people or something like that. 
are not always so cut and dry like this applies to this. And I can see that this person taking out the supervillain is, you know, a message to us not trying to steal from people or disenfranchise other people. I don't know that it's so easy to translate those themes always. Yeah, see. Or historically. I totally hear what you're saying. It's, It's so interesting because to me, growing up reading comic books, I imagine it is something that was a defining thing that helped establish my moral compass as a human being. And, like, (laughs) these basic principles of equality seemed, like, shoved down my throat when I was a kid through comic books. It was told in a fun way. But but, I I think that you're you're just re-emphasizing my point, though, because you read them as a story. Yes. And the story affected you. Right. You didn't say Spider-Man was the thing that I had in my life that everybody knew about me. Or... And, like... I was Spider-Man guy. And, but yeah, or, I, I agree. And to, to Caitlin's point, like I can look at this and uh, apply the lesson I learned to illegal immigrants and how the country like looks at like the migrant caravan or immigrants that are already in the country. That doesn't mean that someone else reading a story about equality is going to put it on or, or fairness is going to put it on those people in those situations. They're, no. they're going to may, maybe to them... They're the people who are being disenfranchised. and Or it's just I, I identify with the Punisher. Or I like reading stories about, you know, because they're badass and they go out and they do what they want and they get the bad guys. Yeah. Or it's more about embodying the characters that they like just for who they think the characters are, not for what they're doing or what they're standing for or over-identifying maybe. Yeah. And because a lot of those characters have been white men for so long, <laughs> that's really inspired the correlation. Yeah. Growing up with so many comic book characters, I think it's so easy to put my belief system on those things and say that this is why they're written when maybe they're not, maybe they are. Well, I mean, I think like X-Men, you can kind of say it is written to like talk about diversity and exclusion and race and the civil rights movement. And the Holocaust is like closely tied to the origin story. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you can't get away from that. If if that's so overt, there's probably some things about Peter Parker or Fantastic Four that I bet Stanley baked into that mm-hmm. that are are as moral. Do we want to mention that this is a, a creative team of people of color? Yes, the team has to. This book is so race oriented that if the team was not people of color, it would be fucking weird. Yeah, that was my first thought was to, I got to find out who's writing this because it will influence how I'm reading this just because of how brash it was. There's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of N-words Yeah, in this book. It's my pick of the week. Yeah? Like I said, a little... You love thrillers. I do. I really do. <laughs> do you think? Would you call it your favorite genre? Probably. Really? Most of, of the fiction I read... In novel form, anyway, it's a thriller. Da Vinci Code. Sure. Love Dan Brown books. Mm-hmm. They're fun. He's not a literary genius, maybe, but... Yeah. <laughs> 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 and last, we have Smooth Criminals, out on Boombox, uh, words and art by Luskarten and Smith. Smooth Criminals has Brenda slash Killa B meeting her unwittingly time-traveling, jewel-thieving new potential partner, Mia, 
they are both the best thieves of their respective times. And even though they're getting very different rewards, they're going to team up in this book to have some hijinks, maybe steal a necklace, steal some things on the internet. We don't know. We do know that Mia was busted out of this chamber that was found in Brenda's office. And she appears to be from 1969. Mm. And Brenda is from and we are currently plopped into 1999 which i was wondering like what what's the point of setting it still in the past versus having someone come to now yeah not this just doing it in the 90s rather yeah, than someone just really loves 1999 always bugs me about timepiece things and one interesting thought that i or i thought was interesting about putting it in this time period was it makes it even more of an Austin Powers ripoff. <laughs> like, the only thing I which thought is a was... James Bond ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> like, give it the same premise as Austin Powers, but like, let's put it as like the same year Austin Powers was released. Yeah. The only thing I thought was that maybe Y2K has something to do with her. Like, maybe she gets affected by that because she's so I also into think hacking and internet. Sure. I don't know. I do think it's easier to write her hacker prowess if you've written her. 20 years earlier rather than having to write somebody that's a really good hacker now yeah is like you'd be making shit up whereas it's like it's like wh- how like felicity in arrow is like yeah. you, it's it gets pretty you have to tune all of it out anyway though so i mean i don't know it yeah. felt it felt weird to be like okay it's just 1999 that's fine but here's another interesting thing about this is that this is on the boom imprint boom box which is typically focused for teen audiences do they understand like the limitations of the late nineties? Uh, so, do you were when you were in high school? Did you have friends, or were you the type of person that was like obsessed with the eighties? No, I no. knew people who were obsessed with the eighties. I knew a ton of it, yeah. Eighties was very in fashion when we were in high school. Nineties is now, and we were like mm-hmm. we were in high school around the early aughts, right? And yeah. so the the nineties had already even passed, and nineties is very in vogue right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Stussy is back. Stussy never left, baby. <laughs> I don't know what Stussy People is. People are wearing Air Max 97s like crazy right Stussy now. Stussy is a clothing line that oh, was okay. very big yeah, in my, my junior high. At my high uh, place where I work out, every Friday is run by this like little a 22-year-old, and he calls it 90s Friday workout, and it's all like... 90s like playlist and people lose their fucking mind and I'm just like this is the shit you actually want to work out to this <laughs> fucking Britney Spears boys to men or Backstreet Boys whatever the fuck it was bullshit if I hear Soundgarden one more <laughs> goddamn time <laughs> working <laughs> out to Soundgarden <laughs> it's gonna it ruin my yeah. deadlift man <laughs> I killed my oh, did he come together oh, with my <laughs> black old son <laughs> Won't no, is that on the playlist? Uh, Wash away the rain. It's mostly like I don't, Spice Girls and shit. I can't tell you how many fucking pull-ups I can do yeah. to butthole surfers. Oh, yeah. Just, <laughs> I can rip them out. <laughs> or the, uh, <laughs> the world is a vampire. I just started doing muscle-ups immediately. Uh, who is that? that? Just kidding. It's Smashing <laughs> Pumpkins. They had a terrible record released a week ago. Smashing Pumpkins did? Yeah, a new one. And it was terrible with a capital T, and Mike bought oh the vinyl. Boy. <laughs> I didn't buy the vinyl. <laughs> Fuck you. Are you saying that embarrassed because you did? No, oh, I okay. didn't. Did you give it a spin? He's, uh, I'm he, out. No, I didn't even listen to it. Budget I'm King out. is saying that because Mike, uh, Mike D is actually a very big 
Smash your pumpkin's oh, face. I, oh, I was obsessed when I was a kid. I had like 50 bootlegs that I downloaded off the internet. I bought like every weird little European single. <laughs> it was like my hobby in junior high and high school was just collecting as much Smashing Pumpkins memorabilia as I could. Hey, well, but back then, they were fucking awesome. <laughs> they were awesome. I went to a concert and I caught Billy Corgan's pick mm. that he tossed out into the crowd. And I cried. No. Do you still have that pick? Yeah, I fucking still have that pick. And and now he's like an InfoWars, like, (laughs) loving, like, stuff. That is weird, but his music as a whole, I think people really like. So, I, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Don't at me about anything (laughs) him as a person. I loved the Smashing Pumpkins music when I was a kid. That's all I'm saying. So, Billy Corgan, like, an InfoWars guy? That's what I've heard. And... I'll tell you what I when I was a, when I was younger, and you know you talk about getting like a tattoo when you were a teenager. Mm. I was like, Smashing Pumpkins is the one tattoo I would never regret. Oh my! Yeah, never say never. God, I can't imagine if I had a Smashing Pumpkins tattoo right now, I'd be humiliated. This will make podcast, but the the three bands I associate with Mike D the most is Smashing Pumpkins, mm-hmm. Bruce Springsteen, and um, hold on. Uh, Bjork. Bjork, yeah. <laughs> well, there he is, old Billy Corgan on Info. Well, he's he, just because he was on InfoWars doesn't mean. He also looks like a slob now. Yeah. That's my main thing. Hey, you know what? We all got to age sometime. Not me. I'm ageless. He I, al- I was just going to say I like where this conversation is going because we said everything there is to say about smooth criminals. <laughs> <laughs> you know. It was kind of like You know. So one thing that Boombox does really, really fucking well is write great stories for young women, probably almost better than any publisher. I think that's that. This is they're kind of just trying to make a book for that market again. Yeah. One of the, <laughs> one of the things that I thought was interesting too about this was that they just jump into villainry right away. Like she finds out that this woman from the '60s is like a heist thief, and she was about to steal diamonds, and has like another big score, and she's like, "I want in." Like, I'm also a thief. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's no good guy. Like, the good guys are the bad guys in this. Yeah, because yeah. she's just kind of like, I don't care. The I'll way, go, with, I'll go along with whatever. I think stealing jewels is a victimless crime, though. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> what, it has what monetary, monetary value, value, though. can you put on diamonds? <laughs> <laughs> They're just rocks, people. You're also Who free. owns the rock? Let's be honest. Start but the she clock. Is, she <laughs> is, like... Like causing big traffic accidents mm-hmm. and like opening up ATMs and yeah, they you know, paint her to be like a simple, quirky, nerd pushover type at the top of this, I think. And then it just surprised me that she was so gung ho to just like steal more shit and wreck stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's where they're gonna have that dissonance play out, though. Is where she wants to do this initial thing, but really just wants this badass girl to like her. Yeah. And then is not able to, or is able to turn the girl a little bit softer. I don't. I don't see her going into this like super villain thing because if they are trying to like make it a YA series, I think it's better if it's like a hijinks where she just has. They both kind of keep each other in line. I want this book to become a fucking bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> I want it to be she goes to prison in the next episode and then she has to <laughs> realize what a crime really is. Uh in the second uh what's the British bear? 
Paddington? Uh, Paddington. He goes to uh, jail for the entire movie, and that's some hard knock life that he realizes. Does he have to learn how to make a shank or anything? Or He makes pies, I think. But this lady... Oh, is that slang talk? Hey, nope, that is pies. She, he makes actual pies. You don't have drugs in them or anything? Nope, he okay. makes pies and wins the hearts of criminals. I guess... <laughs> <laughs> this is your work detail, Paddington. <laughs> you're in the prison's bakery. <laughs> yes, I mean, I know you're making a joke, but that is the actual premise of the movie. <laughs> Not only do you have to make no, pies, but also friendship. <laughs> I guess it would explain that this is set in 1999 if it was like 18 years later. These hardened hearts oh. are no match for my yeah. cobblers. Well, that is true. We're all of a sudden caught up to think, present day. I think people just want to draw versions of Hey Arnold and have um, like plaid tied around people's waists. <laughs> That's what you think the 90s is? Is yeah. there plaid tied around a waist in this? No, I just think... Uh, is there not? I but you're th- like saying the stylistic thing is the most important of it. That's what, that's what people think about the nineties. Did that not make the comic book? Because I, I made this guy, this right here. Oh, uh, uh-uh. that. Oh, I gotcha. I don't think so. Not yet. Anyway, mm. not yet. Yeah, she's got a sweatshirt tied around her waist. Boom! Right there it is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I knew it. It's not plaid. It uh-huh. isn't plaid. <laughs> okay. Suck on that. It's still tight. Nobody, nobody in twenty eighteen, soon to be twenty nineteen, ties a fucking shirt around their but waist. But this rollerblading chick. Oh, yeah. Who corrects her that she is not skating, but in fact blading. And she's sketching. Sketching. Is, is at the very beginning. Sketching. Sketching is where you have a harpoon gun and you shoot it at a car, and then you are now surfing with that car on your bullet <laughs> blades. Mm-hmm. And legally, that car belongs to you. You own it. <laughs> if you can harpoon a car <laughs> from your blades... California law states Dude, that every, you everybody's nineties dream was <laughs> to grab onto law. a car while while rollerblading. <laughs> there is no better That's way how I was to, conceived. to travel. Yeah. Yeah. At any moment everybody had their rollerblades willing to just jump out of the car because they're like, I could be riding in this car, I could be holding on to the car. Yeah. Well yeah. That's how you like uh Peacocked in the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> we, we used to ghost ride the whip. No, skitch the whip. Skitch the whip. <laughs> skitch the whip. Skitch the whip. It wasn't pandering. You know what I mean? That's it, a good point. It didn't fall into like the typical groove of like female I, casting YA. Like, I actually had to remind myself that it was boombox. It was. It felt more like a boom book than a boombox book. Uh, there was no romance in this. Ah, yeah. There's mm. there's no male lead that's gonna these two are going to fight over or we didn't introduce the idea of these two falling for each other. Mm-hmm. That's true. Kind it, of the same with Exorcisters. It, it almost seems like anything that's like um, YA, especially for women. If you ever see like, there'll be a book that's like... Sorry. I gave her a face going. Oh, okay. Uh, there'll, there'll be a book that's like, hey, here's like a women's literature... And then you, I'll read the synopsis of the book, and I'll be like, why is this women's literature? Just because a woman wrote it? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't it know. it has nothing to do with actual topics that delve into issues for women, it's other not... than the fact that a woman was writing it. Right. A woman was writing it, and the, and the lead is a woman. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. mean that it's like a book Exclusive. for a woman. Yeah. Well, I think that but this tra- the, traditionally the reason why that exists, I know you're not asking this question, yep. is because they are very much so the minority 
in writing, though. So it's a genre because there's so few female writers. Meaning that the genre is based on women writers, actually, versus women-centric, women-driven stories. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I guess if a woman writer writes a woman-centric story, it's going to be somewhere in in the ether of classification, somewhere classified as a woman's book. As, like, woman book. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That just sucks. Instead of just, like, you know, literature. You're forced into, like, a subgenre that's just, like, for ladies. (laughs) I mean, it's, like... like (laughs) Oh, Little House on the Prairie? You mean that woman's literature book? Like, I mean, it's kind of the same. Yeah. just happens. Yeah. I mean, if if you... If half of all of our books were written and drawn by women, that wouldn't exist. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's that holiday season again, audience people, and we, uh, we've we entered it, and you've entered a podcast. We're going to do some stuff uh, year-end, rate some stuff. Can we say that? Can we announce that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> we're, do- we're doing it! Little uh, little insider information if you've made it this far in the podcast. Uh, last year we tried to do a, an episode that we, we actually have the audio of and we never released, where we rated the top second books of the entire year uh and we realized that that was a stupid thing to do <laughs> yeah i think like three minutes into it we were like this is bad but, but we kept recording it, it yeah. anyway and then hodap was like nope yeah uh so that's somewhere that'll that'll never get released i guess but that's not what we're gonna do this year is the uh the big end the big reveal the big hoo-ha <laughs> You're going to find out. So we out. told them what we're, we weren't going to do. <laughs> yeah. But they'll have to wait and see. Each yeah. episode <laughs> has had a small clue in it. Yep. And at uh, the yes. end of the year, you're going to find out what it's all been leading to. The golden ticket. <laughs> and if you solve the riddle before the end of the year, you get to become the new cast member. Yes. <laughs> For life. Uh, yep. By law. <laughs> you have to move here. Yes. Under penalty of... Live in our new fudge mansion. Mm-hmm, which we're currently resurrecting. <laughs> resurrecting is such a better name <laughs> for it than reconstructing. Reconstructing. This podcast has been recorded in KCUR Studios. We are the proud member of the Fountain City Frequency family of podcasts. Our music is from Primary Color Music, and we are edited by Matthew Hodap. We are on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Gmail, LinkedIn. Find us on iTunes. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. We would love it. You can rate us less than five stars, too, because technically any rating in the algorithm helps us. So if you are revolted and hate us, (laughs) then fucking tell us. You know what you don't do is don't listen to us and don't tell us. How do I know to get better if you won't tell me what I'm not doing right? (laughs) Constructive criticism, please. Yes. Do you like my voice? Should I change it? I will change it. (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) To be fair, any accent that you request will end up sounding like Keanu Reeves. Yes. Just know that. I want it to be a full Uh, SJW Swamp Thing? That guy follows us, right? I think so, yeah. I like you. Oh, just gonna shout just out random people on Twitter people now. Shout outs. Yeah. Okay. He's he's good good follower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this one's good. for you, buddy. Is that his handle? Yeah. It, he just changed it recently. I yeah. Think. Yeah. That's funny. Are What's, we dedicating this episode? To, oh God, that'd be so funny. We can so start dedicating the name of some random. He really caught my eye this week. 
He's 18. <laughs> How do you know that? I went down his feet a little You're bit. You're like stalking. Oh, oh my God. God. He works at We're che- so sorry. He works at Cheesecake Factory. SJW, what? we apologize for any invasion. He said it. Of privacy. Okay. Oh, he does follow us. Let's see here. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, Swamp Thing but Cold on Twitter. Cool guy. Yeah. He's a guy, right? I think so. Oh, let's shout out Rob, too. Girls can be cool guys. Oh, Rob. Rob who reads comics? Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty cool. And then uh, who's our Oklahoma guy? I always forget. He always changes his handle name. David? David. Who's David? Yeah, but what's his handle? Oh, God. Now? um, This fucking thing that you can change your handle on Twitter. Yeah, that's not right. Yeah, Yeah, I hate that. Yeah, it will makes it hard if a podcast is going to shout you out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now he's just David Ivy. Oh yeah, this is his name. And David Ivy. Those are the three shout outs of people that talk to us on Twitter, and we like all of you. This is Budget King, and uh, this one goes out to the one I love. This one goes out to the ones I left behind. That's it. Your sign-offs the last four times have been so sad. <laughs> that, was a, that was a 90s song, right? We need to just, like, you didn't have like you do God's dry plan. rips of fun dip before every episode <laughs> just to perk you up a bit. Um, I feel like if you've got this far, then you've come the journey with me and you want a little emo-ness. <laughs> uh, okay. We'll go with that. Okay. All right. This is Greg Lichtai signing off. I'm Caitlin Rossick, and I will show myself out. I'm Mike DeStacy, and don't call me daughter. <laughs> Thanks, Thin Lipped. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Bye. TLBB. <laughs> TLBB, Thin Lipped Bad Boy. Yeah, I think I accidentally got your last word that time. Bye. 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 Goodbye from First Issue Club.